Hello, and welcome back to Literally Literary. If this is your first time joining us, be sure to check out our previous episodes. This episode, we will begin our discussion on Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. This episode, we will focus on an overview of the novel, dealing with the major themes, setting, characters, and connections we made. It's been a while, huh? <laughs> yeah. It has been, right? It's been, I think, two months or something like that, maybe, or a month and a half. But, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's been one of those years, right? Uh, so first, you know, we hope uh, our listeners are doing well. Um, you know, um, it looks like there's finally some light at the end of this dark tunnel with those vaccines uh, that look to be effective. And uh, yeah, so, we, you know, we apologize to our listeners for, um, you know, missing out on um, not releasing some episodes earlier. Uh, but I hope you all can understand. And uh, we're, we'll be posting then some of these to catch up to where we are. We left off with um, a, a Gothic novel appropriately named Mexican Gothic, uh, which has gotten a lot of buzz and attention. Uh, and it's by Silvia Moreno Garcia. Um, and so we're, we have a lot to talk to you about, uh, to talk about in, in this first episode. Um, but first, uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about um, the writer and uh, the publisher, too. Sounds yeah. great. So what do we know about Sylvia, too, that we should tell readers? Is this her first rodeo with <laughs> novels? No. So Not funny. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so she has... <clears throat> A few other novels, um, and she also had. She's also the writer of Gods of Jade and Shadow. Yeah, so that's one that um, before this one, I think, a speculative work that got a lot of attention. And I know some some colleagues myself who are high school teachers who are actually teaching that. Um, and uh, I know in part because they were like raising funds because unfortunately schools are so underfunded these days that teachers have to buy the books themselves for the students. Um, and uh, the other cool thing is uh, beyond this novel, she's also got some other novels that are coming up. Uh, so on her Goodreads page, we find out that um, she's got a novel called Dangerous Eagerness, uh, which is a noir also set in Mexico, but a couple of decades later in the seventies, set for next to be released next year and then she's re-releasing a couple of her other works uh, her vampire novel and a romance novel uh, certain dark things and then the romance novel uh, called the beautiful ones uh, so she's got a lot of work a lot of works in other words that are already on the horizon for next year so you know I think all of us it's safe to say that we, we have a lot to look forward to in 2021. Yeah, this is my first uh, time reading anything of hers, but I, I, I'm definitely interested in reading. Uh, I mean, definitely the, the Gods of Jade and Shadow seems uh, fascinating, but as we've discussed in the past, you know, the one of the joys of teaching living authors is, I guess, being able to, to see their interactions, you know, and so, you know, following her on Twitter... And, and pretty much any news related to, for example, Mexican Gothic, 
you know, one of the things that we can touch on a little bit this episode is is how it was. It's going it's going to be adapted into film, and that'd be a fun a fun speculative discussion. But I mean, I think also you know you mentioned Goodreads. I think um, it's a glimpse into her process. She's a she's a good researcher, and that's something I always really appreciate in, in a writer and an author. You know, when they you know, especially if you're doing something maybe more historical, I think it's obviously going to be necessary, right? If you're if you're if you're writing this story, and so um, the annotations that she provided for for this book, I think are are so great. You know, she mentions different books and authors and and research that went into various aspects of putting this this novel together and. So as as far as the author goes, you know, I, I just wanted to to mention that, you know, and the beauty of, of again reading, being able to connect with living authors. So, yeah, I look forward to hearing more from her, and uh, definitely like like what she's doing with with the genre, their genres, right? Yeah, I think um, you know um, I, I was reading about her background, and uh, she, like you mentioned, does it make sense? She's got a degree in in science. To, to, one of her degrees is in science and technology. Uh, and it really does come through in this one. Um, I think that attention to detail, like you said, and her uh, her desire to have some veracity there, right? The verisimilitude of, of the science of the time definitely uh, reaps uh, its benefits. And um, uh, so I, I think that might be the first writer that we've covered who has that kind of science background that I can remember now, actually. It seems to be, I think so. Mm -hmm. um, Cause Maurice, you know, he was also one who, but he had a, um, a, a law degree, right? He was a lawyer, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone else kind of cut their teeth in, in writing and in a phase. Uh, and so this is a, um, published by the Rey, uh, which is also the uh, the first time that we've covered a book from from out of them. They're an imprint of Penguin, but you know, Penguin being so big, we've of course uh, covered several Penguin books already. Um, but for the Rey, it is our first. Um, and, you know, this book really took off, I think last, um, not not last year, but uh, earlier this year, right? And I think, you know, that as you mentioned, you know, it's going to be adapted, and I think it's already in several printings, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it really did get a lot of attention, and I think part of it is because of, you know, the cover. Um, so even before digging into the book, you know, we've had a lot of beautiful covers in in our um, in our podcasts. What do y'all think of this cover as compared to the other ones? I really like this one just because of the colors, the way that they stand out, especially the green, which is seen a lot throughout the novel. Yeah, that floral pattern wallpaper at the at the in the back. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, a lot of the books we've covered have this semester have fascinating, engaging covers. Um, this one's obviously no exception. It's very, very appealing. It's vibrant, colorful, and it, it does kind of a, uh, have an air of a mystery. 
I think it, it connects, you know, without diving into the book itself just yet, I think it does have this um, almost Victorian slash Gothic feel to it. I mean, like like you imply, you know, it brings up the Victorian age, right, of women dressing that way. And of course, we'll get into the book, you know, in terms of its its class uh, discussion, right? Um, but yeah, definitely for me personally, uh, it's got it's it's in my top three covers. I won't say, uh, you know, what the other ones are. Go. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to leave leave out anyone. But I, I love other covers. But it, in 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 uh, my point is, I think more that. It makes me really miss, you know, going to the library, going to the bookstore, you know, and just seeing the shelves of different covers, right? And we've talked a lot mm-hmm. about this in our podcast, right? Of like, that's kind of the first thing that draws you to a book a lot of times. Uh, and I think it's, you know, maybe more so for me and you, Richie, since we didn't really grow up with the internet when we were little. And, you know, um, in the sense that, you know, uh, whatever school you went to, right, the library was there and you would just see the covers and especially kids' books, right? Like the covers are really colory and uh, ostentatious. They, they're they intended to lure you in like, oh, this looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like anything, right? Like like cereal boxes and candy. Like, <laughs> like yeah, the marketing behind uh, uh, books and book covers is, is, is fa- a fascinating one. But I mean, the the artist just did such a great job. It's 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 you know like a beautiful oil paint oil painting, right? And I think that's also the other mm-hmm. thing. There's something very I'm drawn to it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's alluring. And Vanessa, I know you have uh, an interest in publishing, and you know uh, now that your studies at university are almost done, right? Just like. Uh, you know, knowing me here, um, I was wondering if 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 you had if you yourself had an interest in like uh, I know you've 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 worked with Chrysalis right, and Chrysalis is the El Paso Community College uh, journal magazine. Uh, but I was wondering if you if you yourself had an interest in like art design and graphic design of books. Mm, I do love looking at it, um, but I don't think I have the skill to like do anything with that like in that area of publishing yeah I, I think it's definitely um underrated and um I think nowadays with the, the cool thing about the internet though I don't know if you if y'all have seen right but like with Kali's book someone made a cake they made art all kinds of art mm-hmm. and I think it's the same true of true of this one you know, uh, I do want to thank um, the writer here. Um, she she sent this uh, postcard um, for free for like people who um, submitted their address and stuff. So uh, thank you, Sylvia, for this one. It's really appreciated. You know, one of the many forms of um, reconnect to literature. It's a nice. Uh, it's a nice little cartoon of High Place, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her wandering the the foresty area, cool. That's another aspect, right? Too of being able to interact with with uh, authors on online and getting getting cool free stuff sent sent your way. 
<laughs> and seeing fan art and all like I think the way um fans interact with with authors is cool to see. And I'm wondering even if by chance since you two went to the AWP if you all by chance recall if Sylvia was was there. I mean, I don't think the book was out yet, but um if you remember her name on the on the program or anything. I can't recall. It was it was so chaotic. No, yeah, that I don't I don't remember. Between just kind of being like depressed that so much of it was canceled, you know, I I can't recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> made it or not but I'm, I'm now i gotta go look look for that the catalog and, and see i just <laughs> out of curiosity mm-hmm. you might have it around here somewhere yeah because this book came out like in in august or september right yeah yeah okay. i know you had the urge to say like last year it, it feels like that kind of year right it does it's 20 <laughs> it's 2020 right release <laughs> and you know it, it almost feels like that long ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um well, so um, getting into the book, you know, as, as you told our listeners in the intro, there won't be any spoilers this episode, uh, but we, we have a lot of characters to cover. And I think maybe that's what we should start with. So, so we, you know, so readers can get an idea of who the characters are. Um, mm-hmm. So, who you know, let's start with a protagonist, uh, easy enough. Uh, so we have Noemi, Taboada, um, who's the character in the cover, and um, how would you all describe her? What, what is it that we know about her that readers should know that isn't a spoiler? Well, I, I think first, you, you kind of mentioned it or alluded to it, but I don't know if it was like clear, but this is set in the 50s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. I haven't talked about that. Yeah, so I think... Mm. That does play a little bit of a role in her character, I think. But she's what she's more uh, high class family in Mexico City. Uh, her family's wealthier, but um, so I guess the way she's described in a lot of the media is she's like a debutante, like a, mm-hmm. like a social social socialite. Kind of one of her roles is to like mingle in in the high class society. Uh, but I don't know, Vanessa. What would you what you got? Mm, I think she's like a lot of the female characters that we've dealt with, that she's not really accepting of being told no. So she she likes to go find out things for herself and doesn't really let anyone stop her from doing that. Yeah, and I think that is also kind of her... Um, she's so intellectually curious that it kind of, you know, that's part of the reason why in her university studies, right, we were talking pre-show that she she's like changed her degrees multiple times right Mm -hmm. so what is it that she's she was studying and that she's studying now um i don't think it mentions what she was studying prior but it in the not throughout the duration of the novel she's majoring in anthropology anthropology no yeah i i think if i'm not mistaken like it mentioned theater she was into theater um unless i'm confusing her with with catalina but um, I think it, 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 um, you know, it's not a, it's not a big theme in the novel by any means, but I think it is important to show that, you know, um, it's not the worst thing in the world to change your majors and, you know, and if anything, it kind of shows that you're really deepening your investment in, in academia 
um, and that academia just kind of pigeons holes, pigeonholes you sometimes when perhaps you should have a more multidisciplinary outlook on things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I agree. And uh, I, that's the word that flashed across my head too when first thinking about it. She has this this curiosity to her, um, even mm-hmm. even in this as the events unfold in the novel, the way in which she kind of throws herself into, uh, you know, a path, an adventure toward discovery. You know, I think is is uh, very endearing. It's 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 it's, a, it's fun to experience this journey with her in that sense. Um, even, even, um, so she's, she's got this, this strength to her for sure. Um, and, and a confidence, I think too, you know, mm. she, she has this, this, this confidence and, and a lot of it too is manifests in, I think her, she, she, in her, she has a sense of fashion too, where she builds herself up that mm-hmm. kind of fun to read throughout. What else about her? Um, Maybe about her upbringing, her relationship, or relationships, I should say, with her family. And, and where did she grow up? Mexico City. So at the time, um, and, and again, well, not again, but this is a little bit before our time. But what I know about, you know, Mexico City in the 50s is like it had, it was, it was, um, it was experiencing like this kind of uh, renaissance of culture. Uh, in, in film, you know, there was a golden age of cinema for Mexico. Um, I think there was a, a kind of explosion of music, you know, that was emerging uh, in part because, you know, there was there was access to, you know, mass media and, and radio and that sort of thing. Um, and so I think Mexico City represents like the, you know, the, the prototypical metropolis, right? But um, so she kind of emerges from that and goes into this small town. I think if I remember correctly, she she went to Catholic school. So she's got like that kind of oh, yeah. Catholic upbringing that uh, is, is somewhat influential for better or worse. That's right. It does mention her, her and the nuns, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And then, Vanessa, you were saying um, about her family. Oh, yeah. So she leaves Mexico City to go, um, I guess, investigate um, what's happening with her cousin, mm-hmm. who, Catalina. Mm-hmm. Um, and we won't, we won't spoil, you know, what exactly is going on, right? But, um, but compared to uh, Noemi, how would you all describe uh, Catalina? Hmm. How would yeah, you, it's kind of would, a little hard to. Yeah, how would you describe Catalina? <laughs> put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the turntables. Uh, oh. Yeah. Part of me wants to call her submissive, but at the same mm-hmm. time, she's not really giving into anything. She's trying. She's trying to fight it. So, as much as she, I think she's very cautious, and I think strategic in the way that she's doing things but she mm-hmm. she comes off as submissive to i think to a lot of the other characters yeah i mean so one of the things that i think worth mentioning about catalina is that we're when we see her she has she's undergoing a character change like you say there's a perception but i think 
Um, it is through the eyes and memories of Noemi that we see a different type of Catalina. She's like, mm-hmm. she doesn't, she doesn't remember her this way. Mm-hmm. So she knows mm-hmm. that there, there's something uh, happening here. Right. And we, we can tell the readers that, you know, uh, unlike Noemi, Catalina is married, right? And so um, there's kind of that theme of like how marriage changes you, you know? Um, and so I think part of it, we could just say there's that, right? It's like, there's a big emphasis on like how, because she is, like you said, submissive and to some, and to some degree, you know, to, to uh, the husband here, Virgil, uh, it's like she's a totally different person in many ways. I mean, I guess that does happen in real life. I, I guess, like, sometimes people are really close to each other, but maybe they do get married and enter a relationship, and um, just it, it's not necessarily a negative thing, but it, it does cause people to drift apart a little bit. And so mm-hmm. you see that? Because I think that's one of the things that Noemi's... Uh, kind of troubled by is that at one point they were really, really close. And once she does uh, marry this guy, um, I think they just don't talk as often. Mm-hmm. They don't communicate. Yeah. And so getting into the the husband here and in the, his side of the family, right? What can we say about them? Mm, I think they're very set in their ways. They have a certain way that they'd like to do things. And they're not going to be told that it's wrong or that they should try to do it a different way. Mm. Vampires. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like that was, that was my first impression uh, being introduced to the family. Is, is that like you're saying, Vanessa, is that they're kind of, uh, they're used to their ways. They're very, they're very set. Mm-hmm. And I just think um what I know Garcia's description all throughout is like just constantly being referred to as pale and like there's this this there is an air of mystery around mm. all mm. of them, you know, that I think, you know, as a reader, you, there's a certain natural curiosity that makes you wanna figure out what's what's happening at at the heart here of this family. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, we you could even say uh to a sense the the setting is a character, right? This this High place. Mm-hmm. And we talk about. I think we've said that before. How place can can act as a as a character, and so yeah, this this castle, this this kind of mansion that they're that Naomi travels to has its own name, right? High place, and there's a, a personality to it as well. But I don't know if you want to mm-hmm. dive into that just yet. I, but I, I when I think of the family, I think I think of the house too. That's mm-hmm. why. Yeah, I think there's an important uh, ancestry uh, that, you know, we get into. And, you know, um, I also see them just their side of the family as just like the, you know, they kind of embody the colonizer, right? If we look at this novel from a post-colonial lens. Um, and because of that, you know, um, we we can bring up a lot of connections later on, but um you know, like you mentioned, Vanessa, I think that that shows how they're, they want to preserve their own identity. Um, and so they have like these rituals, you know, that they practice like, you know, like uh, no, no speaking at dinner, 
right? And you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, but and so this is where we kind of venture into the, the gothic element. Um, well, there's a certain coldness, right? Just to kind of expand on that very briefly, because I know you want to you want to dive into that, but the the coldness of uh or more so like the clash i guess of no no Naomi being used to like being the socialite and conversation and and kind of mm. being placed along this family where you know it's it's actually a kind of florence who acts as like the in charge you know in charge of the house right in a way the matriarch who and she's very strict and and that was one of the things you meant you kind of alluded to but like not having not talking during di- during dinner <laughs> Like is kind of something that's a shock for for Naomi, um, and also I think also mentioning that they're British, right? They've got the mm. they, their their mm-hmm. kind of ancestry, historic uh, historical roots, and Britishness in in this Mexican town. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of reminds me of like uh, the the culture clashes. You know, those of us here at the border, you know, uh, we get a lot of people from all over, right? And, um, you know, especially like at parties, right? Like, you know, when you go to a Mexican party, right? It's like people like Noemi, right? Very outgoing, very friendly and, you know, gregarious. Uh, but then, you know, you go to some other parties uh, like on the west side of town and, you know, uh, it's just like a totally different vibe, right? And um, so there is a kind of, uh, uh, commentary here by Sylvia, I think about how Mex- Mexican culture, you know, is has that kind of vibe to it that uh, the the you know um, the Doyles here simply do not have. <laughs> they didn't pass the vibe check. <laughs> <Doyles>. <laughs> well, and, and and no, I mean. Before we get into the, the the gothic element and the themes, uh, so we have Virgil, right? Mm-hmm. He's the the husband. Um, I mean, I guess to readers we could say he's kind of like the John and Yellow Wallpaper in the sense that he's kind of the man of the house in the way, um, mm-hmm. you know. But you mentioned Florence as well, right? And it's interesting how Florence, as a woman, she takes on this patriarchal role, right? Um, and so there's her, uh, I know you mentioned Vanessa that, uh, Francis is your favorite character. And so what about him? Mm, so he's more of like a nerdy character. So he's very much focused on his own little space and he likes to draw and he likes, I guess, just learning stuff about everything. Um, mm-hmm. And his relation in this whole mix is 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 how he's related to. He is. Uh, Florence. Why am I thinking Florence? Oh, okay, yeah. Florence is yeah, Florence's son. And he's and, somewhat and youngish, right? He's he's a little older than than Noemi. I, I believe remember, he. Yeah, I they're. They're close in age. Yeah, she's tw- she's twenty two. Mm-hmm. And then Virgil is like 30, 35, I want to say. So late, mid to late thirties. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, besides those, the family, 
uh, both families here. Uh, we also get some um, uh, medical characters, right? And, you know, being in a pandemic, I think many, many of us might be tired of listening to doctors at this point. Uh, but, you know, these are important characters to the story. So they're quite central. Um, so who did we have? So we have Western medicine, right? And then we also have, I think, indigenous culture represented here too. So we have Dr. Cummings, if I'm not mistaken. Important noting that Cummings is like the family doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he's involved with the situation. So he's like their personal doctor and um, the family, again, kind of going back to their ways, like they'll only go towards him. And I think even when now Naomi wants to go outside for help, they, they, they're very resistant to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the curandera, right, uh, Marta? Oh, yeah. Yes. And so this is a nice... Um, transition right because you know we finish with Guadalica girl um and you know if you haven't checked that out our episodes on that you know please do it's, it's a great work and um you know uh, uh goes deep into curandera culture through poems and arts and st- stories um but you know uh, we get marta here is kind of representing you know, because it, it, I think it's easy to uh, stereotype the curandera character, but I think Sylvia does a good job of balancing curandera culture with, you know, someone who is still grounded in, in reality. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. let me clarify what I mean by that. So, you know, so to be clear, what I mean is, you know, um, I think it's easy to stereotype stereotype for writers to stereotype a curandera as someone who like is you know um like in in western medicine right you would think of a witch right you would think of someone who is into the dark arts you know into black magic or white magic right and so you know you see it a lot in film right like the craft where you know um they're they're kind of um they're kind of ostracized and ultimately the, the magic takes over them, you know, because they're unable to get a hold of it. And, uh, and they end up using the magic for evil, right? So th- there's that, you know, but here, you know, I think Marta is, is, represents that kind of matriarchal culture, right? That we have in indigenous communities, you know, someone who is attentive to people's ailments and still, you know, just like uh, the curandera uh, Ultima in Bless Me Ultima by Rodolfo Anaya is able to say, you know what, you just need a, you know, a shot of this or whatever, right? So she's not completely closed off, right? You know, she, she is grounded in curanderismo, but she's still able to say, you know, you know what, you, this is something that maybe a doctor, a physician could help you with instead. Yeah. That's that's what I was going to say because when you when you first made that statement, it was like, well, that is to say, she's not going to completely reject like a cure, like a possibility mm-hmm. of you know, even if it comes from you know this this maybe Folk more medicine. academically trained, yeah, right. Um, and of course, she's the healer, community healer, and that's such an important role. 
Um, so that's you know why ultimately Noemi seeks her out. But we'll we'll dive more into that that journey mm -hmm. too. Healers there. Shout out yeah. to all the all the doctors and healers out there in the world right now. Yeah, especially right now. Um, and um, you know, um, so it is kind of interesting in that regard. Looking at this novel from the history of medicine, you know, and how medicine has evolved. You know, it's it's been politicized. You know, because of the pandemic, right? We're like, you know, people. I think are going to say that this vaccine is, is going to make you, is going to make it worse or whatever. And, you know, the, so there's, I think no need to get into that because I think people are, are in some ways sick of, of hearing about that, but, um, you know, that, that kind of takes us a little bit into the, the, the themes of this, you know, and just going off the title, right. Mexican Gothic and, I don't know about y'all, but I, I think to me, this is the first Gothic novel that I've read that I said in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. And because of that, you know, we had already entered at this, but, you know, it brings up the, the colonial element, which is kind of a, a real staple of the Gothic tradition. Um, and, you know, those who might be unfamiliar with, with Gothic works, I know you, Vanessa, mentioned pre-show that you have read uh, Castle of Otranto, which happens to be the very first Gothic novel. Um, and so, you know, all of us have read goth different Gothic works, you know, throughout our studies. Um, so I was wondering if, if there were any of those Gothic tropes and motifs and symbols that you all wanted to share from this particular work that you've seen in, in other works or even just in this work in and of itself? Um. Well, earlier I mentioned the the house itself, High Place, you know, and, and, and the setting, right? It's a, a forest, foresty mountain, um, lots of fog and mist. Um, and of course- Cemetery. We, we talked about the cemetery. I have the image pulled up right here that uh Silvia Moreno Garcia tweeted and it's yeah it's got a creepy element to it so just that kind of environment there's a lot in the, the house the way it's described you know there's no electricity um there's a coldness to it you know you talk about the the, the family itself that's kind of weird or, or different you know they are kind of uh in a way like outsiders the way they present themselves because they haven't really like assimilated to the area they've always kind of kept their their mm -hmm. distance mm -hmm. and so these are kind of all elements that you can kind of see if you trace a lot of gothic tradition in literature you, you, you see a lot of these elements uh, without going to spoilers you also just have like this, these concepts of obviously the supernatural right these these visions ghostly visions uh and then madness right um and 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 just pretty much the there are books that are just straight up like given shout outs in, in during the the time in the novel like um i guess now naomi is pretty well read so she she mentions certain novels throughout you know like weathering i think weathering heights is one of them mm -hmm. um you have these like byronic characters i think virgil kind of reminds me of this kind of heathcliff type byronic character right it, all throughout so and you see a lot of I think themes in, in Gothic literature of just like, I think women in general, like mm. and society in society, 
you know, trying to navigate role their roles. You know, what was what was accept what was ex- expected of them versus what they want. Mm-hmm. So I know that's that's a mouthful, and you know, I don't I don't know if if that kind of sparked anything for you to 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 bring up as well, Vanessa. Um, well, I think the character of Virgil is an important one, just as in like the sense of being a tyrant, kind of like he's very controlling of the other the women in the house, especially Noemi and Catalina. Mm, I think that's yeah. I think um, you know um, uh, going to the other gothic tropes uh, that are just popping into my head, you know, I know you, we mentioned this, uh, the letter, right? It's the letter that she first gets from Catalina. And it kind of just reminds me of like, you know, the tradition of the epistolary novel, right? Uh, there's so many, you know, uh, Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so there's that, you know, because it is the fifties, you know, uh, technology is still kind of in its it and you know still evolving and you know. But I I was really struck by what you said, Richie, about the how they're kind of closed off, right? And very very traditional, you know, uh, Nosferatu kind of thing, right? And um, you know, literally, right? They're in the high place, so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that kind of brings up the discussion of of class, right? And I think Sylvia does a great job of capturing the, not just the Gothic atmosphere, which I think is hard enough, because I mentioned pre-show that, you know, the Gothic um, can be a sensitive uh, uh, school of literature in the sense that, you know, you can kind of overdo it, you can get into campy fiction, you know, you can um, get really, uh, stereotypical, right? Uh, but I think she does a good job of of being very subtle, you know, being, um, you know, um, understated and, you know, very Faulknerian to some degree. Um, and at the same time, there's the, 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 this, this particular city in Mexico City, I mean, not Mexico City, but the town, right? Of it, it's called the Triunfo. Real? Triunfo. El Triunfo. El Triunfo. And uh, which is based on a real town, right? And as you mentioned, you know, she tweeted out that photo. So we appreciate Sylvia's, you know, annotating her book and Goodreads. Um, But I think, you know, that's the other part of the Gothic that is so important is, you know, how does class play into this, right? And it kind of takes us back to the Victorian era. But I will say that's something I really loved about this novel is, you know, I was watching this show, Queen's Gambit, uh, in part because I love chess, and one of the things about Queen's Gambit is it, part of the the episode, part of the series is set in Mexico City, and it does a beautiful job of capturing Mexico City in I think it's the eighties, seventies, whatever it is. Um, you know, you really feel like you're there. You know, and um, I've never actually been to Mexico City, right? So like even more so. Uh, but I think that this book as well kind of does a great job of capturing like that small town feel, you know, right outside of, outside of Juarez, there's some small towns, you know, like Creel and, and such in Chihuahua uh, that reminded me of it. Uh, and I think it really shows the offers, uh, 
veracity of like the, the culture, the, the history of the place, the traditions, the small town uh, views and how friendly they are as well. You know, it's not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a small town. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the, it's interesting, you mentioned the epistolary novel and I you think of Frankenstein, I also think of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which also kind of has that element. It's interesting that you mentioned that because when I think of like also uh, when I'm reading this and drawing threads, um, you know, they also I think it's some mentioned that they import dirt from from their homeland as yes. well, which mm -hmm. reminds me of like Nosferatu and and Vampire and Dracula stories where they, they do that as well. I think that's actually a, like literally something that they do in Nosferatu or Vampire Myth where mm -hmm. they they bring their, their soul or their dirt. Mm -hmm over which obviously as we uncover um there's there's a little bit of reason behind that but we'll, we'll get into that later um touching touching up on the gothic one last time i think when you study as a genre um there's there's certainly an evolution to it and uh you know i think when i was in in school and was studying that i one of the things that i I noticed is, is is how there's an evolution and an adaptation and and so I, I always like to talk about with what I call like the scientific gothic where it's you know instead of maybe like the supernatural there's there's always like a <laughs> a scientific explanation and and I I wrote about this in uh Richard Matheson's novel I am I am legend which uh they made a movie adaptation it's it's, it's a bit different different enough where you know I think it it loses some of the heart of it but you know, I I definitely see some elements of that in here, that that we can explore as we as we look, we you know go over the book. I like the, kind of this as an addition to the discussion of the gothic as a, as a genre in literature. And and so maybe that can take us um, to a discussion of the themes, um, you know, and again just trying to avoid. I know it's hard to kind of avoid spoilers here, but what was one of the themes that you had in mind, Vanessa? Um, I think family and like generations is like a really big one. So you see the relationships between um, Noemi and her father and between her and her cousin Catalina. Um, but you also see the relationship between um, Francis and his mom, Florence. Um, and I guess the relationship between also Virgil and, um, Catalina is a, one to look at. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the running threads that like it shows, you know, what, what, what does family mean? Right. And, um, you know, um, are you willing to do anything for your family? Right. Or is there a point where like you'll say this is too much, right? Like, you know, uh it's like um, you know, is family does family mean like you're willing to like, you know, help them bury a, a dead body that they killed, right? Or is it like, you know, something else? Uh and I think, you know, Sylvia does a does a really good job of showing us, you know, what what family really means between mm -hmm. The two, you know, I think by, by juxtaposing, like you said, you know, Catalina with Noemi, who are like 
they're cousins, but to me, like, they're just really like sisters, right? Mm. You know, they're because they're so close, you know, really reminds me of Sabrina and Karina. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, with, um, um, you know, the Doyles, right? It's, it's a, a totally different dynamic. And I think a lot of it is cultural, even though, you know, Noemi and the Doyles, she's an outsider at first, but because she's also high class, I think there's an element of privilege there, you know, that I think she wouldn't, it would have been even harder, right? If she wasn't, you know, someone who was educated, et cetera. Yeah. Well, we do learn that there's, there is a certain aspect of that, of which why the family does accept her, right? Bring her in and welcome her. And uh, mm-hmm. again, no spoilers, but um, yeah, the Doyles, you know, maybe well not as close as like relationship wise, like there's a lot of their lineage because I think all throughout their house, they have portraits of, of mm-hmm. uh, their family members mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, deceased family members right in the past. So there's a lot about lineage, right? And uh, I don't even think mm-hmm. we mentioned Howard, who's who's there in the house, no. right? <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he's he's old and frail, but he's he's there. And um, I guess it's kind of like in the book; he's there the entire time, but you kind of he's off to the side, <laughs> just <laughs> watching. Howard, Howard Doyle. Uh, all right, so themes of family. Yeah, that was that was well put. I like I like that connection you made, Jorge. Of, of what does that mean? What was another theme, Vanessa, that you had mentioned? Um, well, memory plays a big role, I guess, also in terms of family. Mm. So you, throughout the novel, you're given a lot of insight through the memories of other characters, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I think it will make sense a lot, a lot of sense to the readers once they do pick up the book, hopefully they can pick it up or the audiobook if there should be an audiobook. Um but um yeah I think um you know it really puts it in line with the gothic of like you know there's a skeleton in the closet right whether it's it's real or it's imagined or it's all because of of something that you know they just uncovered right um so I think that's definitely something there that uh, makes this a br- very much of a, to me, a slow burner of a novel, which honestly was kind of refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. because I think um, sometimes novels, you know, they try to hook you, right? Um, and I, of course, that can work a lot of times, but I think sometimes there's something to say of a novel that slowly but surely, you know, just draws you in, right? Like, like you're, you know, Moby Dick or something. And um, you can finally kind of just let yourself be uh, immersed in this world. Uh, And that happened to me in this book and, you know, really made me want to explore and write along in the journey with Naimi. I think there was another theme, right? Uh, There was a third one. Mm, There was one that Richie had mentioned. Oh, I thought you had mentioned it. Which one? Yeah, dreams, or I guess more like hallucinations would be a better way to describe them. Um, There's a lot of times throughout the novel that you think you see things, 
but you might not have. Yeah, I think that the, the protagonist's grasp of reality, right? You know, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the supernatural component, uh, but even just outside that, you know, I think because, um, you know, it's it's a new world for her, it's a new place. You know, there's that whole idea of like she's still kind of exploring, and. Um, you know, um, wondering whether, you know, something that goes bump at the night and the night is really there or not, right? And um, I think, you know, it goes back to what makes this in um, a gothic novel and, and, and it's not in any way, like I said, it's not in any way what you might think of the gothic in terms of like it be having like cheap scares, right? You know, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing of the sort, you know, it is, it is trying to be uh, in, in a way like authentic, if that makes sense, right? I mean, you know, it's 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 really bringing you into the, it's really like traditional Gothic in that regard. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of psychological aspects to it as well. Like, or like you said, yes. questioning of reality, um, what's mm-hmm. happening and what's not happening which I think for a lot of people, I don't know, yeah, uh, when when looking into the book and, and uh, you know, researching, I, I saw a lot of people disappointed. And, uh, you know, if you, if you do, one of the things we talk about it, there is kind of a slow pace to it. And, and that's, mm-hmm. people, I think, don't expect that. And so they mm-hmm. end up not liking the book because they, they think gothic, they think of horror, terror. And yeah. the way the book reads, I think they're disappointed because they're used to, cheap scares and and tactics and and that Mm -hmm. thing whereas we're dealing with a different kind of terror here Um, and it's more subdued Mm -hmm. as you said and and there's a lot to be said about that style in the gothic tradition even but that said it does build up right (laughs) (laughs) yes so yeah i think you know we we talked about the characters we talked about the themes now that uh, we talked about a lot of connections, actually, pre-show, so what were some of them that really stood out to you um, outside the Gothic or, you know, with the podcast or film or whatever? Well, I made a connection to one of the books that we read um, earlier this year, um, Patron Saints of Nothing, just in the sense that um, Noemi leaves her home in order to investigate what's happening to her cousin, um, just in the same way that, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Uh, June? Or is that well, the cousin? He, that's the cousin. Um, uh, Jay. Hold on. Yes, Jay, Jay goes to investigate about June. <laughs> we did that last time, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's something exotic about that, too, right? Because he goes to the Philippines, and there's an exotic element here, you know, I think um, I think Sylvia does a good job of not fetishizing uh, Mexican culture because I think that that's what I mean by that is like you know uh, you get films uh, or TV shows where like it really makes it's really paints um, Mexico in an extreme. It's either like super violent, you know, because cartels and dangerous, or it's either like you know everyone's always drunk and partying you know, because of like Mexicans always like to party. So I think this this book does a very good job of being authentic. I think that's actually a hard thing to do. 
because mm. it's easy to kind of fall into those stereotypes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other connections? Mm. Well, and it, I also in the beginning made a connection to um, Northern Garabi. Um, just in the sense that this character, that Noemi's leaving and she's going to this big mansion, I guess. And she's trying to figure out um, like all of the mysteries that are happening within the house. Um, but different from Northern Garabi, there's actually mysterious things happening at High Place. Which, which to me, you know, I haven't read Northanger Abbey, but you know, it reminded me a lot of, and we talked about this, uh, you know, the woman in the little wallpaper, um, you know, I think it, you know, there's a lot of lines where I connected it to it that we'll, we can get to, but uh, next time, but you know, it's, it's, it's that same, it's also within the Gothic tradition of like having the feminine portrayal of a character who, you know, isn't, isn't submissive, right. But is actually like, um, very, a very strong character in Noemi and um, also just like the woman in Yellow Wallpaper, she's upper class, aristocrat. Um, but just like you said, you know, trying to find out well, what, what is, what's this high place all about? You know, is this something that is real or am I imagining things? Mm-hmm. Pretty overt Yellow yellow Wallpaper references. I think uh I've underlined parts of the book where it mentions like it's in the walls, you know, mm-hmm. what's, what's behind this wallpaper, I think is how a chapter actually ends. Mm-hmm. I think she mentions literature, fairy tales, even cinema. I think we talked about, she mentions musicians, mm-hmm. definitely some more pop culture in there. Well, were, were there other connections, uh, Vanessa, that you had made to, um, maybe outside of gothic novels and works of the gothic um but like uh movies or um um uh, uh, i think you mentioned anthropology mm, i mean just um certain little things that she mentions um pertaining to like things that she's learned in studying anthropology that i've kind of also learned about I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'll find them when we start talking about um, the book. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is, um, I mean, it's it's more like, of course, it's pseudoscience, but like, you know, eugenics uh, plays um, a pretty big role in this novel. And, uh, you know, it fits right into the gothic but it reminded me of, um, I was talking about this pre-show of Great Gatsby, you know, um, where, it, you know, it, it's not a big part of that novel, but it is something that they see, they, you know, they reference books that are eugenics based. And so just like this one, right, where like, you know, she's seen the books that are there uh, at, the, at their library, right? And some of them are like straight up out of, you know, eugenics and, uh, so I think that's important in terms of thinking about outside of the novel, just thinking about the history of eugenics, you know, it's set in the 50s, so it's right after World War II, but, you know, eugenics, you know, in many ways uh, still is influential, right, and unfortunately, and, and people who are white supremacists and racists, and 
you know, we mentioned that like they're British and so there's that to take into account. Um, yeah, I mean, Howard, I think when uh, they're at, at Convo, right? Uh, Howard uh, kind of like, when he learns that she's studying anthropology, he, ha he asks her about uh, Vasconcelos. I think that's a reference to the, the cosmic race and all that. So it brings up a lot of that, that, that research too at that time. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of movies that reading this book reminded me of. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a couple, but, you know, um, in different degrees, you know, I'm reminded of, of Hitchcock's Psycho, um, you know, reminded a little bit of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that like it's really isolated. Uh, I'm reminded of Rosemary's Baby. I'm reminded of The Exorcist. You know, because in The Exorcist, both in the novel and the in the film adaptation, you get a character who, you know, is being uh, probed and like science and medicine are being used against her. Um, and so here with Catalina, you know, we have a case of where she is said to have TB or uh, what they what they called back then consumption. I think it was. Um, and so that there was that, and then I had mentioned to you all that Bly, uh, the the Hauntino Bly Manor, you know, which is a very recent show, and you know, off the mold of the Hauntino Hell House, the same characters, reminding me a lot about this, and in a lot of ways, uh, both in like the generational, you know, uh, trauma, uh, the way that the family is. But also, of course, the setting and the, the manner, you know, just very gothic. I, I should also mention, you know, because I know you're really in, into music, Vanessa, since you presented on Tyler, the creator, um, is that there's, uh, Sylvia was cool enough to make like a Spotify playlist. Um, and so I think that's very unique. I think we saw that also with Gali, right? She did one for Sabrina and Karina, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So definitely shows, I think, you know, how 21st century literature um, is evolving, right? You know, it's it's becoming a lot more interactive because of how we can see the writer's annotations in real time instead of having to go to like, you know, um, some library at the University of Pennsylvania to get access to their annotations. Um, and it's also like, um, we're reading along with their offer in a way, right? Because we have their playlist. Um, so I think, you know, as much as the, the pandemic is stripping us of the opportunities of meeting these writers, we're also finding new ways of connecting with them. Was there something else about the, the book that y'all wanted to tell readers um, that we haven't talked about? You, know, you want to mention the, the series being picked up or? to be adapted? Right, so um, you said it was Hulu, right? That Hulu picked up, optioned it. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that's gonna be a film or a series, but yeah, I think it would work perfectly as a miniseries. Um, it's gonna be a series. Cool. One other thing I was thinking of is, you know, and I'm trying to be more, more mindful of this, is you know we have a lot of teachers listening and and professors um so uh i think this is a very teachable book 
Uh, and I'm not just saying that because we chose it and because I really love it, you know, but just as someone who teaches works like this, I think um, it's very well paced. It has a lot of, of authenticity to it, a lot of the Gothic tradition in it. Uh, and I think it's, it's the, the character is, the characters are engrossing enough, you know, that I think students will really dig it. Uh, I I think it would be like at, at the, like I think in high school even, you know, this could be a good senior class novel, maybe even like a AP English for juniors or whatever, uh, but definitely for college students, um, you know, definitely a good work for like a Gothic class, uh, but also like intro to lit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think students would really enjoy it. I mean, I don't know. I hope they would. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, we haven't talked about the style, Vanessa, but, you know, um, since you're currently taking classes and still reading novels, um, you know, it's been a while since I've read novels for a class, but do you, like, did you find it, the style, like? Mm. I think it's interesting that, it's all in um, English, even though it's taking place mm -hmm. in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, and but there is like few moments where they do switch to Spanish. I thought mm -hmm. it was interesting that in the town when Noami goes, she's still speaking in English. Like it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't indicate that she um, switches. Right. So I'm assuming that she just speaks English. Because when they do switch to Spanish, it's not necessarily always written in Spanish, but sometimes it'll indicate it, that they switched to Spanish. Hmm, interesting. That kind of brings to mind, you know, translations. I don't know. Uh, I should know this, but I don't know if like this novel is already available in Spanish. Mm, I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, but I do wonder in terms of its reception, you know, um, how this would, I think this would be very well received in Mexico, you know, not mm -hmm. just Mexico City, you know, but like, you know, University of Mexico, you know, it mentions UNAM, you know, which is the, the big university at, at Mexico City. Um, so I think, you know, it, it kind of like real life, you know, it does go into a little bit of like the way academic culture can be a little bit you know, um, and so that kind of, um, that kind of would serve well, you know, in kind of having students in Mexico read, read about that. So I think, um, I think, you know, we'll hit, we'll hit stop here. Um, but, you know, next time for readers, um, well, you know, we, we you can do a, a natural for that, Vanessa. And then, um, you know, unless there was anything else you all wanted to say, um, we'll look forward to getting deep into this book for the first half of it anyway for our next episode. Thanks for joining us on this opening discussion of Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Join us on our next episode as we dive into the first half of the novel. And if you haven't read it, we hope we inspire you to pick up a copy. Follow us on Instagram at literallyliterary.ep and on Twitter at literallylitep.com.